Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, everyone. How are you today? Oh, I'm good. Yeah. It is my last day of quarantine. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh, have you survived? Barely. (laughs) Barely. (laughs) But no, things are good. The sun is shining outside the window today. It's my last day of having to fill out a government app uh, stating whether I have any COVID symptoms, which I do not, which is great. But it's shining. The the air is fresh. Um, I have had a little patio this whole time, a tiny little patio where I've been able to get some fresh air. So it's a gorgeous day. Good. And I hear it's a gorgeous day over the pond as well. It is like a glorious summer's day today. It is stunning. Oh. It's actually too hot. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know I shouldn't complain about that, but um, wow. yeah, it is glorious. Oh, yeah. wonderful. Do you have any gardening stuff or beautiful bushes or plants that are still radiant? Yeah, no, I have a lovely garden, which my friend is sitting in at the minute. So she wants a big uh, shout out. Oh, nice. What's her name? She's called Jackie. Oh, Jackie. Hey, I hope you're (laughs) sitting out there having mimosas. (laughs) I promise I'll return Sarah back in an hour. (laughs) (laughs) She is a regular um, podcast listener. She hadn't listened to a podcast before until ours came along. Oh, you're kidding. And now she loves it. Oh, wonderful. I'm hoping that our podcast kind of gets into people's mind like a, you know, like a nice, comfortable weekly thing to do and to listen to. Yeah. So you had a few restful days with your man last week. I did, yes. Mm -hmm. We had a nice little staycation. Nice. Which was very nice. Weather was amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. Enjoyed just sitting by the pool. Felt like we're on holiday. It was great. Oh, nice. Ate lots of nice food. Oh, wonderful. So yeah, I need to go on a health kick soon though. (laughs) <laughs> lockdown is not treating me very well <laughs> don't we always say that the yeah, health I think so your kids would tell you that yeah no it's, it's got to be done this time <laughs> it's got to be done yeah that's so funny I really admire that you because at the end of last week you were we were sort of wiping things off the schedule so that you could make time I really admire how you intentionally wipe things no actually what you were saying that you were up all night clearing things off your schedule so you could make yeah. time for you and your man yeah I did I had to work late That's walking the talk of relationship building. Yeah. I think a lot of us feel that, oh, you know what? I've got my cell phone on me. Um, If anything for work comes up while we're away, I can just be on my phone. I don't think we realize how disruptive that is to our together time. Yeah. I'm a big advocate of actually taking time and making sure that time is protected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's got to be done. Oh, beautiful. Something that I was reading is that sort of a classic meditation principle is if you try to multitask, that is the opposite of contentment and peacefulness. Yeah. Is that multitasking means that you're just half-heartedly listening to two things at once or trying to do two things at once and never fully engaging in one. Yeah. So especially in relationships, stop multitasking and put other things away, even if it causes you to pull an all-nighter like you did and just be there with your partner. Yeah. This time will not come back again, this moment. Yeah. Very well said. Good for you. All right. So uh, I don't want to stress out the International Correspondence Desk then. Was there any time to do any checking? 
There was actually. So oh. <laughs> oh, okay. I've got a lovely little story. Ah. So I read about this couple that just got married and they met just before lockdown and um, they met by chance. So he, I think he was a doctor or a lawyer or I don't know what he did anyway. He was from America and she was, no, she was a lawyer. That was it. I think mm. he's a doctor. Mm. He was in the UK and was on a date nap and just happened to come across this profile of this lawyer who lived in London who had said she didn't want to date anybody outside of the UK but because he was in London just by chance at the airport waiting for his flight he fell through the net and they thought he was local. So they started chatting by the time she realised that actually he didn't live in the UK, they'd already struck up this relationship. And then they the met up, so before lockdown, they met up, they went on a cruise together, wow. um, which I thought was incredibly brave. Wow. And then lockdown happened and they ended up being in separate countries and hadn't seen each other for months. And then they just got married last week. <gasps> How beautiful is that? Oh my gosh oh my gosh isn't that just that is incredible so okay hold on a second so they met on one cruise that must have been a hell of a cruise well yeah quite oh my god <laughs> i think that they'd had another another trip so they'd met a couple of times wow. like in the same location and then they've just got married oh beautiful so it just goes to show you can meet somebody in the weirdest of ways Oh my gosh. And I'll bet you that that same person or maybe set of persons were saying, oh, I'll never meet anybody. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's wonderful. It's so hard to wait out for something beautiful until you see proof of it. You just think it's never going to happen. And then this magical story happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like, I hear it a lot, you know, people settle for who they're with. They're not very happy. And Mm. they're you know, it's that old kind of story, well, I'm never going to meet anybody. Um, I may as well just put up with it. This is it. Yeah. And I always think that's just really sad to settle in that situation. I can totally understand it. I get it. Right. But I think stories like that do just give you that hope that, you know, there is always somebody for somebody out there. Yeah, there is. Well, I think our exuberance about this story would tell us that we're both very big romantics, which we are. It does fly in the face of what we talked about last week, which is if there were no divorce, would we spend more time in getting to know each other? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that Sarah would say, oh, sure, you know, you've traveled ties with somebody. Yeah, marry them. (laughs) That's enough. (laughs) But then let's say we leave room for when you know, you know, or when you have obviously done a lot of Zoom calls. So Zoom, I'm sure, has facilitated a lot of romantic interludes between this couple. Yes. And I'm hoping that they went through all the really big practical stuff. Where do you stand? What are your values? What are your dreams? What are your plans? What happens if this happens? And that event should take place. Yeah. Well, I wish them well anyway. I'm not really sure if they're listening, but if they are, good luck. I would very much (laughs) hope that they are. Oh my gosh. Actually, gosh, wouldn't that be a dream if anybody, if they were listening and we could get like a photo of their wedding? Oh, I would love that. (laughs) Anyways, that's a wonderful story. So yes, a little bit of romance and hope Yeah, the listeners this week. I love romance. I just, oh, I love it. I love it. I'm wishing everybody well. Yes, indeed. Beautiful. Are we ready for the hot, hot topic? Yeah, let's go because I'm feeling quite romantic. Okay. 
this isn't maybe quite as romantic, but mm. <laughs> the hot topic this week is who is responsible for birth control? Oh, this is incredibly romantic. What are you talking about? <laughs> of course, this, as a doctor, I find this incredibly... I was going to say spoken, spoken like a true doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I really love this hot topic. Mm. I love it. This is something that for in 2020, I think we're still confused at and I, I, we still don't feel in our power. Mm. And there are so many, you know, it's funny, I am back in clinical practice now and I'm doing phone consults from quarantine and I'm speaking to a lot of young folk, a lot of young women. There's still a surprising number of women who are sexually active with their partners, with their male partners, and they're not on any contraception. And as I say, and if that is your choice, absolutely more power to you. But I, I've been in practice long enough to know that it isn't. And, and, and now with my coaching, I realize it's actually not, they're not in their choice. Yeah. That if you're not using a method that there's some unpredictability, there's some anxiety with every period is you're not in, you're not in your choice. Yeah. So there's something taking away your choice, whether that's fear of the methods, the medical system has got you down, or somehow there's something about your relationship that is not giving you that freedom to, to have an open conversation about what the heck are we doing here? Mm. So what's your experience with this? Well, I've always been responsible for my own birth control, but it does, it's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because I think even in, you know, 2020, as we are now, when things have, you know, moved on and improved in lots of areas, I still feel like this area hasn't moved on at all. And I do mm -hmm. feel like it is assumed that it would be the woman that then takes the precautions and sorts it all out. Yes. And I don't necessarily think that it should be that case. Yeah. But I suppose the scary thing is if you obviously as a woman, then you're the one that's going to be carrying the baby. If anything does happen, then really, do you want to leave that to somebody else to <laughs> look after? <laughs> there is that question, aren't exactly. there? You know, could you trust your other half to not screw it up? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and end up with a, a little present nine months later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it may not be your other half. It may be somebody you're dating. You've been dating casually. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. I think I think we're getting fairly good at using condoms on casual hookups. So I think mm. the folks are learning that language. I think a lot of folks yeah. on both sides are bringing condoms with them and insisting that they use them. I'm not going to say across yeah. the board that that is always going really well, but I think it's going better. And I really do like, I really appreciate the folks who decide I'm going to keep using condoms because that's where our relationship is right now. Yeah. Doctors had on use condoms anytime you want to, you need to protect yourself against STIs because any contraceptive method is not going to protect you against HIV, chlamydia, gonorrhea, et cetera. Um, so always use condoms. And in fact, I love folks who are using a good contraceptive method and condoms at the same time because condoms are not great for birth control, actually maybe 85% effective, not that great, but awesome for, it's the only thing we've got to protect you against STI. So doubling up, always a good thing. Um, for folks who are on the market, Tinder, etc. I advise that you have two methods going on. You're carrying condoms with you and you've got a good kick-ass method of, of contraception. But then the question is, what is that kick-ass method of contraception? And, and again, yeah, who's, whose responsibility is it? In an ideal world, Every single sexual encounter should come with a discussion about, okay, who's packing, just like you go on a camping trip, right? Like, who's packing the tent? Who's got the <laughs> stove? How are we going to survive in the woods, right? Like, you wouldn't go on a trip without talking to the people involved and saying, okay, here's our, here's how we're prepared. Here's, here are the preparations we've made. It still is really, really 
taboo to talk to your sexual partner about who's protecting us during our encounter. It's amazing how we hate having this. We do not have these conversations. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't have conversations about contraception. Well, my only conversation is my six-month rule. So I do have that conversation. Mm. And I suppose, but that's probably as far as it goes. As I say, I've always just taken care of my own contraception. So Yeah, so have I. Yeah. But there is a, you know, a question, isn't there, about how long should the female actually be? Because generally a lot of the, um, a lot of methods involve some sort of hormones or chemicals going into your body. And I know that some women don't, aren't particularly happy with that and don't want to spend their life taking the pill or having a quill fitted or whatever it is. And then in those instances, it is then important for the guy to step up and say, right, okay, I'll, I'll look at the options. But I suppose you're more limited, aren't you, on the male side? Because it is condoms or you have the snip. Or, or a vasectomy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is quite final, isn't it? It's quite a final thing. I'm going to say technically not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say that vasectomy reversals are, you know, obviously anytime anybody goes for a vasectomy, we're, you're always you're always warned you have to sign a consent saying this is yeah. permanent, but there are reversals possible. You know, it's it's funny though, you know, whenever we talk about male fertility, we always really freak out about doing something permanent and we're not, we're not often so concerned about inflicting us the same permanence on a female. Yeah. You know, we all get up in arms about possibly, you know, ruining the precious male and their precious fertility organs and so forth, but we we <laughs> we manipulate women's bodies all the time. Yeah. Um, so we we do get our panties in a twist unnecessarily about men and their <laughs> and their sensitivities and and you know that remains a very strong gender bias. You know, even when I meet men who are looking for a referral for a vasectomy, I do find myself saying, "Oh, wow, good for you! Wow, what a what a brave move you're doing!" And I think, Anna, you you insert IUDs all the time. You have women on on hormonal contraception all the time. You're referring women for tubal ligation all the time, and you don't congratulate them as if they've like crossed Mount Everest. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to check my own biases as a physician. You know, it's not fair yeah. for us to give extra brownie points to men just for stepping up once in a while. But for those yeah. who do, thank you. <laughs> you know, I think that everything is made a lot better if you bring the contraception discussion into into a conversation where both of you guys, you're both responsible for the decision making. I would say that on the hormonal contraception side, or even I just say plain contraception side, there's a lot of great options for women. I am a huge fan of IUDs. I think you mentioned the coil, but um, yeah. IUDs, generally like the T-shape, they come in hormonal hormonal options. And there's the non-hormonal copper, which I love. I love the copper one. Not for everyone. Finding a contraceptive method is a conversation that I have with every patient. And we it's kind of like choosing something off a menu. Not everyone mm. is going to like the same options. That's no. why we have such a huge menu of options. So the ideal thing is when somebody's had a conversation with their partner and their partner is supporting them. And then they go to their doctor or their provider and they have these conversations to find the thing that fits with them. Yeah. Probably the most beautiful thing I've seen is when a partner comes in with a woman to support her during her IUD insertion. And I welcome the, you know, if a partner is present in the clinic, I say, do you want him in to be at the, at your, you know, just comforting you at the, at the bedside. And, and it's great. I'm not sure I need any spectators when I'm having that procedure done, Anna. <laughs> it's not a spectator sport. It's not a spectator sport. <laughs> well, the great thing is, is just like childbirth, I'm at the one side and the partner is up at the head, so not seeing anything. <laughs> but I will say that 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's not everyone's cup of tea to have their partner in, in this, what is arguably a non-spectator sport, (laughs) but it is really nice. You know, there's a, there's a level of awareness that I see, like I'll see the, I have had a guy pass out in the room and I'm like, you're not, you're not helpful. We didn't bring you in here to be a second patient. But generally I see their eyes widen up and they start to realize just how much women take on their shoulders in, in carrying the burden of contraception. Yeah. So I have seen a couple leave the room where the, where the guy, he has a palpable awareness and reawakening of just how much this woman has gone through to support their relationship and, and give them as a couple power over their fertility. Yeah. It's beautiful. It doesn't happen very often. And it's not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to carry on making those visits by myself. <laughs> yeah. And, th- and that is absolutely in your choice. And, and for a lot of women, honestly, and I, to be honest, that is my choice to have always had the control so that, you know, even when I've had an unprotected encounter and I have to worry about the emergency contraception afterwards, I'll, I've looked up who to contact yeah. or clinics to call myself. That has been my choice, but honestly, the guy has always gone scot-free and it has been kind of a pain in the ass in the, the morning. And I know listeners, maybe one or two of you are saying, yep, I remember that morning after, you know, a bit of a hangover, the guy is sleeping in and having a great time. And here I am packing up, leaving, going, oh shit, now I have to figure out a clinic, right? Where's the nearest pharmacy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's still snoozing, right? And he doesn't have to worry. And mm. and I've never said anything. I, he doesn't know that I'm going through this. So yeah, I definitely think that you're in your power if you demand your partner to engage with you in conversations like this. Because the people who are not up for this conversation won't be up for any conversation that you may have in a partnership. Yeah. This is a great test to see, is somebody, the material that you want to be involved with? Yeah. I think it is important to discuss, particularly if you're not happy about something. So if you're not feeling happy about the methods that you're using, mm-hmm. then absolutely you should have that conversation. I think it can be quite tricky though, can't it? Because it's not the most romantic conversation. Ah. And, you know, a lot of men aren't necessarily interested in having the conversation. That's right. But I do challenge you to say that that's a, that's a belief that we have, yeah. that a story that yeah. we have. And certainly bringing it up clinically to say, okay, now I need to sit you down. We need to talk about contraception. Um, that is probably a boring opener that would have somebody kind of terrified or snoozing. I think every man just doesn't want to talk about periods. They just, <laughs> just <laughs> let's not talk about periods at any cost. But I wonder about a conversation that may start with, you know, I really enjoy, we have great sex together. God, it's so awesome. I'm really enjoying it. You know, we have been using condoms because I have a six-month rule or I have an X-month rule. And and thank you because, you know, we're keeping each other safe. I really want to move the discussion into, I want to involve you in, you know, how can we welcome in new methods that keep us safe but keep us having tremendous sex? And would you be open to working on some options with me? Because I love our sex. It's so hot. I want it to keep going. And I want to find a method that doesn't get in the way of, you enjoying it or me enjoying it? Well, that's a conversation you couldn't avoid. (laughs) (laughs) Might you feel a little excited to go into it to be like, oh, more sex? Oh, I'm definitely ready to have that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. What I would say is that a good provider will troubleshoot every method with you. You just keep going until you find that thing that you love, you know, and then if you pass from your 20s to your 30s and your periods change and you need something different, we switch it up. So ultimately, that may be your responsibility, but bringing your partner in could be a really enjoyable opportunity 
Because at the end of the day, it's all about great sex. Amen to that. <laughs> we like that. <laughs> yeah, I think... Good to get the fizzy knickers going on in the uh, Monday morning. Most definitely. <laughs> I think it is quite tricky when you first... When you are young and you're first trying different methods and, you know, often it can take quite a long time to mm-hmm. to actually find something that works for you. And it is, you know, what works for one person isn't going to work for somebody else. So, Absolutely. you know, people ask me about, you know, what I'm using and would I recommend it? And I'm like, well, for me, it works, but I know yeah. it hasn't worked for everybody because mm-hmm. it just doesn't necessarily agree with them. Mm-hmm. So I think it is just that trial and error. But would I want to let somebody else take control of that? Probably not. Mm. I like how you say that too, because I think ultimately the decision to just completely have it within your control and not share the burden. I think it is true for a lot of women, that is actually a really big exit from the possibility of having their lives controlled. So you're right. We're in a very sensitive space here that for every woman, it may not make sense to bring her partner in into collaborative decision-making because maybe her from her family of origin, maybe from her past relationships, there's been a time where she hasn't had control over her body. Yeah, I think there's there's other side effects as well, aren't there? That there are other things that happen that birth control can really help to sort out. So whether you're kind of prone to put on weight, or you have problems, skin problems, mm. or you have really bad periods. So there's a whole combination of things that can happen that actually then your choice of birth control can help to sort some of those things out and help to regulate some things for you. So it's not just a topic about your birth control is it so and in those situations I kind of feel like I'm happy to just have that conversation on my own yeah and <laughs> and not have a a guy mansplaining in the in the clinic yeah. room <laughs> it's true I just kind of you know sometimes you just need that relationship with your doctor and that's it <laughs> I love this you know it's funny as we started this topic I was really sort of gunning for have the conversation collaborative decision making and it should be a couple but this is a medical decision medical decision making with your doctor no question yeah being in your power is deciding who gets to be in the room helping you with decisions with a method that is one of the most critical decisions of your life yeah absolutely i'm gonna carry on flying that one solo i love that (laughs) well hopefully that helps people who i know this conversation does come up with couples Mm -hmm. um quite often so hopefully that kind of helps to give a slightly different perspective or um, ways to approach the conversation. As Anna says, just mention sex, you'll be fine. (laughs) Exactly. So are we ready for the question? Yes, we are. Let's go ahead. Okay, let's go. So this week's question is, when is the best time to tell the children we're having problems before or after puberty? Okay. I think we've treaded into some deep territory. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on this, Anna? Oh my gosh, it's such a hard thing. You know, when you're having troubles in a relationship, right? And not only do you have to worry about your own grief and your own disappointment and all your frustration and and sadness and pain, you have to consider your kids and all their feelings. Yeah. And my God, that weight is immense. Hmm. I'm remembering my own childhood. I, do, I You know, it's funny. I, I look back and I'm like, I don't think my parents were very considerate at all about how their children felt about their really bad, very dysfunctional relationship and their divorce. But I know somewhere they were 
as much as they could, they were also thinking about us. It didn't feel like that. You know, as children, we felt like we were being dragged through the muck of their relationship. But I know, mm. I know they had four kids to think about in addition to their troubles. So it's really, really hard. And how old were you then, Anna? Well, they were having troubles, you know, by the time I was walking. Like right. they had a very dysfunctional relationship the entire time. And then they finally divorced when I was in, uh, in my master's. Right. So they really, they carried on for 26 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a long time. Oh, yeah. It was really a really very troublesome relationship. Yeah. yeah. None of us are married. Oh, excuse me. None of us. I am married. The rest of my siblings are not. Yeah. None of us have kids. <laughs> none of us. Four children, no kids, no grandkids. Is anyone planning on having any kids? Not that I'm aware of. Wow. I know. You know, it's funny. Like, I, I guess, you know, it's kind of dropping some personal information, but this question is a really important question because when kids, when they're introduced to dysfunction in their parents' relationship, at any age, it's going to be troublesome. If it's not done in a way that's functional, it can really leave your kids with a feeling that that relationship is just bad across the board. Yeah, I've got quite strong views on this, I think. I have seen people divorce when their children are older, and I've seen it when they're younger as well. And I definitely feel like it has more of a, a negative impact when it happens when you're an adult or after puberty, um, as the question's asking there, because as the child, you then go through this whole realisation that actually my life isn't what I thought it was. Mm. I thought I came from this lovely, happy family background and now I've just realized that actually none of that's true and mm. you start to see this turmoil unfolding where people really question their own existence and and where they've come from and everything that they thought that they held true to their hearts and believed in has now been suddenly shattered beyond belief and you don't get that when children are younger because they don't know any different mm one minute you're living together and the next minute you're not and the children don't really know any difference and you're painting the best scenario the best case scenario that a couple is actually able to keep things under wraps for that many years yeah experiencing dysfunction but yet kind of hiding it until their kids get old enough that's like the best case scenario and the worst case scenario is they have to be exposed to conflict their entire childhood yeah even if you think you're hiding it you're not yeah that's true <laughs> Like it's just not possible. So yeah. the same way that you can feel the energy, you just know that something's not right, even if you're trying your hardest to pretend that everything's okay. They do know. That's true. And, you know, even if there's no audible or visible conflict, if two people are just trying to keep it together for the kids, you'll probably find there's not a lot of affection. There's not a lot of validating words. There's not a lot of that warm togetherness, those daily gestures that we do to keep relationship flowing and, and in flow. Yeah. And kids won't have experienced that. They won't have seen that. They would have just seen two people just trying to make it work and shut their mouths until some magical time where they think it's right to tell their kids that it, the marriage is not working. Yeah. And they're not easy conversations to have either. Well, tell me your story if you're if you're comfortable to tell and your experience with this. Well, my children were, were quite young when we got divorced. I think um, my youngest was two and a half I think mm -hmm. so like very young and I do think that it was I mean I, I spent a long long time thinking about divorce before I raised the subject so because mm -hmm. it is really hard and you do go through that process of thinking I don't want my children to come from a, a broken home 
And that family unit and keeping the family unit together was kind of the most important thing. But there does have to come a point where you just have to be really honest though and say, Mm -hmm. this isn't making me happy. I'm miserable and I don't want to be miserable for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, you get to a point where it just becomes too much, but it's trying to, I think, have that conversation before it gets too far so that you can still have a decent relationship. You know, I've been divorced as long as I was married now, but we've always, always tried to carry on co-parenting together. We've always Mm. had discussions about the, the children and, you know we know that we've got that joint responsibility so how you have that conversation and not letting it get too far so that you're in the realms of total resentment Mm. I think is really important because you've got to be able to communicate you've got to have a relationship after it after you've stopped having a relationship yeah if that makes sense so you still when you've got children you're still in it together no matter what you know yeah and that's the mature way of looking at it Mm. I don't think a lot of people realize that they actually have to have an ongoing relationship with their ex. Yeah. We know each other where we've been talking about the arrangements, and it seems like a very peaceful arrangement that you have. It seems like your kids are just used to going. They've got, they stay with mommy one day or yeah. one week and daddy with the other. And it doesn't sound like there's a lot of arguing cross fighting. Yeah, they're not too bad, actually. They do, and they're used to it as well. So they don't, yeah. you know, it's just always been like that. So it does still work for us, thankfully. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, I think from my personal experience, I do think that waiting until your children have have grown up is a mistake, I think. Mm -hmm. If there are problems, of course, you know. Yeah. But you had to sacrifice a lot to make this harmonious arrangement, though, right? This This doesn't come easy. You don't snap your fingers and have a wonderful child custody arrangement. But I think like anything, it's always difficult in the beginning you know, my um, ex is a really good dad. He loves his kids and he mm. was quite clear from the beginning that he wanted to have shared custody. And I was totally fine with that because I do believe that the children need both parents in their lives to establish and, and form a bond and a relationship with both parents. And they can only do that by being able to, to spend time with both of them. You know, there might come a time when the children say, well, actually, no, we don't, this doesn't work for us anymore and mm. we'll have to cross that bridge. And I know that that has happened to friends of mine. You know, that can be quite challenging. But I think you've just got to keep working at it mm-hmm. and keep having the conversations. As hard as they are, just keep having those conversations. And you've needed, I'm sure, to put aside your ego and put aside your need to be right <laughs> many times, I'm sure, right? Multiple, yes. Yeah. Multiple. Because like it or not, kids are the battleground for proving that you're right or getting some sort of redemption from hurt from your relationship. And that's really sad. I think when that does happen, I think it's trying to still have, you know, some harmony after the relationship has broken down. And you do have to step aside. You have to focus on the one thing that does matter. And that's, you know, the children still have the best possible life that they can have. Yeah. How would you phrase, I mean, if if having the conversation with your kids is probably one of the most terrifying things, how would you advise somebody to phrase an opening for such a conversation? I think well, when we did it, we just sat down with the children and just said, oh, me and daddy aren't going to live together anymore. Mm, okay. <laughs> so we just kind of had that conversation. Um, I think it depends on how old they are as well. Mm. If they're older, then they're going to want to, you're going to have to phrase it slightly differently, I think. Because if they're older, then the 
clearly kind of know a bit more about what's been going on. And it's making sure that they can ask any questions that they need to ask and mm. they know that it can be, you know, an open door policy, nothing's off the table. We can talk about anything and just checking in with them. Okay. And then I don't know if you've experienced this personally or professionally. If your kid should at some point in time have a meltdown, maybe have some feels about this, how do you hold space when you feel like they're either expressing themselves or acting out? Yeah, I think it's it's acknowledging that the feelings, acknowledging that they're there and why they've come up and that it's normal to feel that way. And then addressing, you know, whatever it is that then comes out the other side, because you can have the feelings, but actually it's not okay to be an idiot. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. So that, you know, there has to be that kind of balance of conversation. Mm-hmm. Like it's not okay not to be a nice human being. Ah, okay. Yeah. Because kids, and especially if they're teens, they may say some big words and slam their door and yeah. pout and, and, you know, all the things that adolescents do and that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's very legitimate that they're having, they still have their feels. Mm. I love that you acknowledge them, but you're like, don't be a dick about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like with anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're okay to feel that way, but you're not okay to <laughs> scream in my face. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think we're aligned on the same page in terms of living your truth. Like if you're having problems, just not burying it, not being disingenuous, being authentic. Yeah. Communication, leaning into communication, coaching or therapy, trying to sort of see if there's anything to salvage. If not, then being open and honest with people, including your children. Yeah, and I think often when we don't talk about these things and as we say, there's still that energy in the house, there's still, children still know, they're going to worry more if you haven't had that conversation with them, they're going to be more worried than they will be mm-hmm. if you have a conversation and just say, mum and dad are having a few problems where, you know, whether they've gone down the route of counselling or therapy or coaching and they say, you know, but we're going to speak to somebody who's going to help us. And then, you know, at least you're getting it out in the open, you're having that conversation. Because otherwise, I think children are going to worry even more because they don't know what's going on and like all human beings when we don't know what's happening we fill in the gaps and generally we fill in the gaps with stories that are far worse than reality ever will be yeah the story that kids are going to make up is that this is my fault mommy and daddy are fighting because of me yeah and until they're reassured that this has nothing to do with the kids this is just an internal problem until they're frequently reassured of that kids will make up the story that they're the problem yeah that they were misbehaved and so mommy and daddy aren't going to live together anymore yeah all the it's that worry about the future isn't it like what happens next yeah but i do feel for this listener because going through the process isn't isn't nice and understanding if you're you know not sure if your relationship's going to make it or not and the impact on children and all of that there's quite a lot of pressure that goes along with that i think it's quite stressful it's quite intensive period of time to go through and I think no matter what you do you'll make mistakes in that yeah and so when you feel that way I think it's about forgiving yourself and being compassionate to yourself right because guilt was coming up in terms of a big subtext in the question yeah guilt is needless you know you're trying your best it's life we're all humans yeah and the reality is you will mess your kids up right? <laughs> true that <laughs> you know so true that. that's gonna happen no matter what you do <laughs> oh beautiful 
<laughs> I love that. You know, it's funny. I don't think that we acknowledge that one way or the other, you know, our kids will keep be keeping a diary and will be, you know, billing their therapy visits to us, each yeah. and every parent. Yeah. There's no difference between one parent and the other. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're intentional and honest and authentic, maybe the therapy bills billed to you will be less than... Yes. <laughs> You can reduce the reduce the future therapy. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. It sounds like, as always, communication is the cornerstone to the, making this work. Yeah. Open communication. Yeah, both with your partner and with the children, I think, in this situation. Yeah. But yeah, best of luck to the listener because it is tough no matter which way the decision goes. Mm. It is a tricky, tricky time ahead. It is. But I know you and I see, you know, we talk about all the time about how your kids, one kid is coming back from their dad's place and, and then you have a free house to, uh, you know, enjoy your own space. And then dad is taking over responsibilities and then you're excited to have your kids back again. So, yeah. you know, I, I see your arrangement. And I'm like, that's actually quite joyful. Like what a <laughs> nice arrangement. And there's no going to court all the time to reestablish the custody arrangement and everything. It's oh, just, yeah. I mean, I'm super lucky. We can just have reasonable conversations about what happens with the children. So um, it does work for us. It means that both parties get the kind of rest. Although um, my daughter did say to me, she said, yeah, it's not fair, though, because I never get a week off. <laughs> oh, yeah, they don't. You're right. So the kids are always with somebody, but um, yeah. the parents get a week off, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> it's kind oh, of like, you can't really tell me that your life is that bad. <laughs> have everything done for you <laughs> oh that's so, so sweet um, yeah. such a teenager thing to say oh i know definitely oh, it's like the, the complaint about parents about mother's day and father's day you get that complaint from the children why do we even have that where's the children's day I'm like every other day <laughs> <laughs> i thought there was a children's day though no it's i think there is my i i are you sure it's all 364 days of them. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. It's always about the children. Oh my gosh, it's always about the children. I love that. I so love that you're snapped back there, that you laid it down. You've laid it down for us. You know, it's funny. I haven't actually tuned in to how your daughter's driving status is going. Oh, she's passed her test. Oh. Yeah, a few weeks ago now. So she is. Uh, On the first she's try? Now, yes, yeah. She's better than either of us. She did really well, actually. She put a lot of effort into it. Good. I put a lot of effort into it as well. And um, yeah, no, so pleased. So pleased. Congratulations. Yeah. Because yeah. this is early on in our pre-launch days, but I think both of you and I shared that we both failed our our test, our driver's yeah. test on the first go, right? Yeah. <laughs> and look at us now. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, it's a lot better. It's great. Good. She has her independence and I no longer have to drive her around wonderful now is she shuttling her younger brother around sometimes yeah Ooh. has been known nice to have a little sh another chauffeur in the house it most certainly is good for <laughs> her oh congratulate her that's wonderful i yeah. i respect people who can pass it on the first go <laughs> yeah yeah no it's good one of our friends took a test the other day and didn't pass it and she had to go back to school afterwards i was like oh that would be so sad <laughs> yeah i've been there i've been there 
I made a left turn with an oncoming car and nearly killed the instructor. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to pass for that, are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I can't he was like, you were never driving. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm amazed that he even allowed me to ever take another test again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's hope your driving skills have improved since then, Anna. It's a really great point. I don't even know if they should allow teenagers to drive. I was so terrible when I was younger. I consider myself a good driver now, but it, it took the maturity. Yeah. I was a bat out of hell. <laughs> <laughs> thank god i grew up in the country so it was more mostly country roads and thank god well in jersey you can only drive a maximum of 40 miles an hour so oh you're kidding I the know. entire island well some roads are 15 miles an hour on some green lanes because the roads five. are so small um you can't drive any faster than that oh yeah so there's a lot of kids that pass their test in Jersey, then don't know how to drive anywhere else. I was going to say, exactly. Because we've never been on a motorway, like we don't have a motorway, there's only a handful of roundabouts. So yeah, it's really different. Oh my gosh. I don't think she's ever used fifth gear. <laughs> she don't have any need to. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> what a place it must be in Jersey. I have to come visit you someday. That's, you do, Because we've yes. never met. We need all this um, pandemic nonsense to be over though. I know. I know. Yeah. Get people traveling again. Seeing each other, hugging each other, connecting, having experiences. Yeah. It's going to be here, guys. Yes, one day. It's like me getting out of quarantine tomorrow. I will skip down the road. My mother, actually, who had to serve quarantine. Yeah. She got out of quarantine a few days ago and she said, I cried when I went outside. And she said, you will cry tomorrow when you go outside. And I was like, yes, I will. Oh, I know. (laughs) So that's what we're going to be when we get back to travel together. We are going to feel alive something to look forward to Anna absolutely but for now you can focus on getting out of quarantine tomorrow and go and paddle boarding mm-hmm. absolutely and you know as I'm still you know one week longer in my time away from my dude it's yes. just leaning into those FaceTime conversations to try to keep our relationship building even though frustration is mounting yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to keep on working on communication you can do it I've got every faith in you And if I run into trouble, I know the relationship coach I will reach out to, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there for you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for another week. I think we did well this week. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Yeah, I hope our listeners feel the, the saucy vibes and the coaching perspectives. Yes. Well, till next week. All right. Till next week. Have a great week ahead. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.